The world was recovering from the first wave of a particularly nasty influenza pandemic. A lot of people still had not grasped that a pandemic will not be a one-time event, and periods of illnesses may come in two or three waves, usually anywhere from three to twelve months apart. Past pandemics were characterized by a shift in the virus subtype, shifts of the highest death rates to younger populations, successive pandemic waves, higher transmissibility than that of seasonal influenza, and differences in impact in different geographic regions. It's odd to think of younger people dying quicker than the old, but it's because the younger people had better immune systems that they were targeted. Their bodies literally produced too many antibodies and created a cytokine storm or hypercytokinemia. During the 1918 flu epidemic, which killed millions, many of whom were indeed young and otherwise healthy adults, the reason for this occurrence was attributed to this same overreaction on the part of the immune system. A cytokinetic storm is characterized by an overreaction by our immune cells to a new and unknown flu virus, to the point where it proceeds to attack the healthy organs of the body. Usually the victims drown themselves as all their body's antibodies rush to the lungs. I was luckier prepared, I don't know which, because my bout with the avian flu didn't last long. I had been reading the flu wiki and some other prepper-type blogs and had carefully dosed myself with elderberry extract and took some curcumin to reduce the chances of the storm overtaking me, as well as had been sucking on colloidal silver lozenges. I'm no doctor and I'm not prescribing anything. I'm merely relating what I did to fight a flu that had an unprecedented 50% mortality rate if you happen to catch it. The 1918 Spanish flu was the closest thing we can compare the bug we have now to, and the Spanish flu was said to have killed 50 to 100 million people worldwide. Current estimates on this one ranged as high as 300 million globally, and we were in just the first wave. At the moment, we had voluntary do-not-gather orders to try to curb the flu's spread, and this devastated the restaurants and movie theaters. The problem was you still had a large percentage of the populace that still insisted on going to church, and there was talk the order might become mandatory soon. A dread when that happens, because then we would have the protests, etc., and the fools would gather for that, and no telling how the government was going to deal with it. The government had an unreasonable amount of powers they've usurped over the years with the Patriot Act, etc., to force inoculations, impose quarantines and isolation, etc., the governments in some places were toying with the idea of voluntary quarantining, which is called community shielding, but this doesn't really work unless localities have thought about it ahead of time. Community shielding would require local government to be prepared to provide communications, emergency services, food, and medical supplies under circumstances similar to that of neighborhoods living as if snowbound. The communities just didn't have those kind of resources, and it was getting worse as approximately 30% of the workforce was sick or dead, and this caused food truck deliveries to fall off, fuel shortages, less fire and police personnel, etc., as one thing just led to another and problems just became more complex. Most everyone ran around with some kind of surgical mask these days, but that did very little to protect them if people forgot to shield their eyes also. 
Most people, if they did venture out to the stores, were stockpiling already. And to make matters worse, we had a hurricane warning, so the typical clearing off of all the grocery stores was occurring, as well as everyone pumping the gas stations dry to boot. I work for FEMA and was posted in Alabama. My job is to get loans to those that need them after a natural or man-made disaster. When the news that a monster hurricane was heading towards the Gulf Coast was broadcast, I started getting ready for the inevitable call that gave 48 hours to get to the disaster staging area or lose my job. I guess I'm one of the lucky ones, though. I usually don't have to go into the area until after the storm hits. Some of the first response teams get the fun of riding the storm out in the bunkers of the various emergency operation centers, EOC, along the coast.